Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Review Anything. My name is Glenn Johnson. And I'm Joe Frank. And we uh, we're sitting here. We got our coffee. Yep. Just another lovely day in the studio. It's beautiful in here. Yeah. We can see outside. It's raining. <laughs> um, but it is. Yeah, it's, this room this in particular room is gorgeous. Is, I, I know we talked about the studio a lot, but we've never really described it. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, marble floors, satin we, curtains. You know, we're in the jacuzzi right now, mm-hmm. so yep, that's great. that's usually where we record from. Yeah, uh, it takes a lot of post processing to take out all the like bubbling sounds yeah. and everything. If but. you hear a bubble pop every now and then, we apologize. But it wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we're <laughs> we're back. Uh, to talk about another film a film a yep. true film yeah shot on film yeah shot on film i 16 no no it's 35 35 yeah okay it kind of looked like 16 but it's, yeah i think it's yeah, maybe that's it's just because 35. of the aspect ratio yeah that it feels that way which i assume it was shot in that format like not in a like a i assume the mm. the the gate you know the, oh the, yeah yeah the size that, that wasn't a post used. thing yeah, was actually four by three instead of like cropped or something. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm sure we'll get into all of these the technical discussions as we go along. Today, technical we're... foul <laughs> on Glenn Johnson. I hey, I'm not the one. Well, actually, I did. <laughs> I, I, we're both culpable in that one. Uh, today, we are talking about Hilner Pulmason's nice, nice 2023. Godland, not to be confused with David Lynch's Dumbland. Uh, True, or Inland Empire. Oh yeah, <clears throat> yeah, or um, Nomadland. Nomadland. That's also very different. Yeah, yeah. Whenever this movie started, I turned to Joe and I was like, "Where's Francis McDormand? Where's my friend Fran?" Yeah, that's exactly what I said to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> then the title came on. I was like, "Godland, what?" But it, it was, was no. It was actually good. Mad land. Yeah, I thought I was gonna watch Best Picture winner Nomadland. Instead, got Best of the Year so far, Godland. Wow. Yeah. I'm okay. Drop that early. Yeah. All right. I mean, I think I can, this might be the first 2023 movie I've seen. So. I haven't seen John Wick four yet. Yeah. True. So. I haven't either. Or Dungeons and Dragons. So you gotta hold it. Hold your yeah. hold that title until you've seen a couple more. Yeah. This week's episode is brought to you by a box of photos that was found taken in early 2023. Eight photographs of two guys walking into a movie theater. We analyzed the photos and based on the posters on the outside of the theater, we kind of came up with and based on what these two idiots, I mean, guys were wearing and, you know, the way they walked, you know. Kind of their overall. Just demeanor. overall vibe. Yeah. Yeah. We surmised which movies they were going to see. And um, they culminated with a movie called Godland. And that is the review you're about to hear. So enjoy. Thank you. Thank you. Spoiler! I thought to start I'd read this quote from the director. Hilner Pulmason, because uh, I think it's a good way to frame 
his intention, but also maybe then to kind of kick off some of the thematic discussions we could talk about. So he said, one of the triggers for the film that I wanted to explore was opposites. Denmark versus Iceland, the modern world versus nature, the earthy character of Ragnar versus the idealist Lucas, different kinds of landscapes, and clashes and misunderstanding through language was a driving element that came up early. And I think maybe just to start, we could start talking about uh, those two characters, Ragnar and Lucas. Yeah. And, and maybe through that also talk a little bit about, like, do you just want to give a quick recap of the basic plot? Yeah. So Godland is um, it's about a Danish priest who is sent by his superior, takes up this journey to Iceland, to a Danish colony, to go and uh, set up a church and be the, the local priest there. So the, the film kind of focuses on his very difficult journey to the east side of Iceland. It kind of focuses on the hardships that he faces and then this weird rivalry relationship, weird, very strange relationship with uh, Ragnar, who is uh, the guide. The, the local Icelandic guide who's uh, taking them across these brutal landscapes. And the movie's kind of broken up into two parts. Yeah. Where I feel like pretty much the first half of the film, maybe a little less, but pretty much the first half of the film is that arduous journey yeah. to get there. And then the second half is yeah becoming acclimated to these people in this yeah. place. It's interesting because thinking back on the movie, like... I think about like the the journey to get there and the the part when they're actually there feels like a smaller part mm-hmm. in my head mm. but in reality yeah it's like half the movie mm-hmm. or more yeah um, and that's where most of the story actually happens yeah I definitely liked I mean yeah I definitely I think I definitely liked the second half of the movie more than the first half mm. <clears throat> yeah, I liked I liked that journey, and it is very important to set up that dynamic between Ragnar and Lucas because in both of those scenarios, each of them are in and out of their element. Yeah. So in that first half, That's, when they're traveling, they're in this very rugged, brutal yeah. landscape. Ragnar is totally at he's home. He's like at home. He's like at peace. Like it shows him like doing Pilates, basically, and just like <laughs> loving every moment of it. Yep. And then once they get to this town and it's very people focused and community focused, Lucas is very in his element and feels very in control, knows what to do when talking with people, when being a priest, kind of holding that position of power. And Ragnar is kind of out of his element completely and being in a community and knowing how to, in in a way, uh, not, not completely, because yeah. you still have like the scene where he is playing the accordion at the wedding. So like, there's there is some, but they're definitely both out of their elements in those different scenes, yeah. and both go through kind of like a spiritual crisis in each of those halves. So that first half, Lucas basically falls like into complete, which Lucas is the priest, falls into complete despair, yeah. basically wants to die. Yeah, and then you have that same thing where Ragnar is questioning his whole life in that second half. It's kind yeah. of interesting. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, pretty much from the first scene that Ragnar and Lucas interact, it's Ragnar teaching 
I mean, quote unquote, teaching Lucas how to ride a horse. Yeah. But pretty much just like ridiculing him and making fun of him. And that instantly sets up this like seed of Lucas basically despising Ragnar. And in a way, Ragnar kind of despising Lucas, the part that he's playing in this Danish person coming to Iceland feeling like they have some sort of power. Well, it it also, like, I kind of got the sense that Ragnar didn't really have much respect for him from the get go Mm because he's like, coming over to Iceland and being like, Hey, we need you to like escort me across your Island. And like, I'm going to bring all this crazy stuff, like a huge oh, yeah. wooden cross yeah, that yeah, has yeah. to be packed on a horse. And, yeah. And they're like, this is too heavy for the horse. Yeah. And, but they put it and on. And he's him. like, no, you still have to take it. And like, he's just completely like unbending and not accommodating at all. And just expecting the, the locals to just go along with everything he says. And then that ends up backfiring at the at at the river. Well, throughout the course of the movie, the the Lucas kind of develops a friendship with the translator. Yeah, I think uh-huh. I think he's I don't I think he's Danish, mm-hmm. but he speaks, he speaks Icelandic. Icelandic. So they kind of become friends and go off and explore a little bit here and there and like take pictures and whatnot. And then once they get to this river, Ragnar is like, we can't cross it. It's too it's too high. Um, we're going to have to go back and wait for a couple days for the river to go down. And Lucas is like, no, we're not doing that. We're doing it today. We're, we're crossing this river. And then his friend dies in the, in the crossing. Mm-hmm. So, and then that haunts him throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you get these glimpses of that guy, maybe in dreams or maybe just in memories that he's kind of having. And, and that's, I, I don't know if I would say that that's even like guilt. Maybe it is, but you, I, Lucas is a very, like, if you think about Godland in comparison to films like Diary of a Country Priest or First Reformed or Silence, I think he's different than all of those characters in a way. Yeah. All those religious figures, except for maybe, uh, oh, in Winter Light, maybe except for Winter Light, all... It seems like at their core want to do the good thing almost to a fault. Yeah. Whereas here, like you never get the sense that he actually cares. There's just a hardness and a brutalness to the way that he goes and and a pride, maybe even Mm -hmm. just a coldness. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's very different from those other kind of religious characters in in those other kind of films which was definitely like felt like a subversion in a way because like going into it i was like okay well this is about a you know the protagonist being this priest who Mm -hmm. this he he goes to iceland it's very brutal climate and terrain and stuff and he has a hard time and you almost yeah you almost kind of feel bad for him in those early scenes where ragnar's making fun of him on the horse yeah it almost at that point it does kind of feel like oh this guy is this worldly guy who's making fun of him for being a priest. Like you do kind of feel bad for him in those early scenes. Yeah. And there's a lot too, that I think is probably lost in translation. Mm -hmm. Um, since this is, they're all speaking either Danish or Icelandic, depending on the scene and who's talking. But yeah, like, I don't know if it's, if it's more, maybe more obvious that he's a jerk. If you, are more familiar with, if you're familiar with the language and the inflections and things. Cause I mean, to me, it's just like they're all speaking pretty monotone, pretty like mm-hmm. at the beginning, you know, like nobody's like 
but it's hard to pick up on that when you're not yeah right understand that the actual language so yeah i don't know if he like comes across as a jerk right away or if it's like you know if if you are supposed to sympathize with him to to an extent at the beginning and then it kind of shifts throughout the movie and then it's like well this guy's not good yeah uh, which i feel like you start to get a sense for that in that scene where he's like no we're doing it now yeah but then there's a scene where he's just like in despair about this traveling and i can't remember what the exact words he uses but he's basically like these people don't need you like i just want to go home basically he starts out praying he's like god please let me like leave i don't want to do this anymore and then he's like and then he like changes to like he's God mm. speaking because he's like you can go home. They That's don't, right. They don't need you. Yeah, I am God. Yeah, it's really. Which is, I feel like when that scene happened, I was like, wait. Uh. He's kind of like I don't know if maybe he's a little delusional. Yeah, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating scene. It that, is. That's where it's like, whoa, okay. Yeah, wait, who, who was this guy? <laughs> yeah, that's something I feel like we talked about right when we came out of the movie was how quickly he. Again, going back to that idea of like being in your comfort zone, how quickly he oscillates between despair and like superiority because as they travel, he just slowly descends into like, I mean, he falls off the, like, I don't know whether he faints or he just like gives up. He just falls off his horse Yep. and it looks like he's left to die. But then when he wakes up they're at this village where the church is being built and he's staying with a father and his two daughter or a, a man and his two daughters and they're at the dinner table and he asks him to pray and you see almost this little bit of life start to come back into him he lapses back into this priestly kind of mode and yeah, says a once, prayer over the food yeah it's like only, but it's only when he says will you pray yeah. it's like there's there's yeah, a he was few, like a shell until that moment yeah there's a few shots of him before that and he's just kind of like lifeless eyes like and he's like slumped over and zoned out and then he's like hey can you pray for the food or whatever and he just kind of like straightens up and he's like all right here we are yeah and that's and then from that moment on pretty much till the end the very almost inevitable end he has this air of superiority in the way he kind of walks around and looks at people and like you just it's it's a very like the uh the the dad being like could you not have led this wedding like what what's <laughs> yeah there's a thing? wedding like, that goes on in the town and he's like i'm not leading i'm not gonna officiate a wedding in a church that's not finished yeah it's so like, there's this like just so over the top kind of pride yeah that, that he kind of carries with him but i think that makes him a really and like you said very different from those other movies a very interesting character yeah because there are so many moments where he's given where you're like okay this is where he's gonna do a good thing and he's gonna be like the pastor that he needs to be and he totally and it's mostly with ragnar yes yeah there are two really powerful scenes with ragnar where once they get there you know they're building the church in ragnar again this dealing with the language barrier ragnar speaks speaks icelandic lucas speaks danish they can't at least from what you think cannot directly communicate with one another and he asks him like how do i how do I become a child of God? No, how do, how do I, I become, become a man of God? Man of God. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this is like, because up to that point, Ragnar has shown zero interest. In yeah. It. And so, you you know, I, I was like, okay, this is going to be like a really powerful 
Honey, he's like super earnest. Yeah. Like he's he's working and then he just kind of stops and like walks over and it's like very clearly like this is like a big, big deal. Yeah, it seems troubled. Yeah. Lucas answers it, but in a very kind of dismissive yeah. way. Like very almost like, like I, I doubt you could get it almost like yeah. whatever. Like Yeah, he's like, well, you know, you have to uh, give up everything and follow God and do everything he says and pray to him all the time and blah, blah, blah. No it. big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Change your entire lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> you know, go ahead, try it. <laughs> well, I think that's at first he's like, he asks him the question. He's like, what are you saying? I don't know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I don't understand. You. Mm-hmm. And no, no, like say it again, slower or like, you right. Know, this, no, seeing the opportunity for what it was. Yeah. Being kind or, and then the, the, one of the daughters ends up interpreting mm-hmm. for him, but, and then her interpretation is also pretty rough because it's off. Like, yeah. Well, and that, you know, again, Lucas like says these really long sentences yeah. without any breaks. So then the girl, she's like, she's 10. like a 10 year old girl. <laughs> she's like, what? She's trying to translate it and using kind of the wrong words or forgetting yeah. certain words. So it's a very wonky translation. Yeah. But that's, I, I think that that's one of the most interesting things about the movie is how your view of Ragnar changes as the movie goes. Yeah. Where by the end, he's by far the most sympathetic, earnest, honest, like character. At least I think I, it, it, cause I think you could interpret Ragnar as still just trying to rile him up and do yep. something to make him mad or snap or something. But the other really powerful scene, the pray for me scene where it's just a slow, oh, yeah push in on him they're both sitting kind of on a beach because he's trying to get him to take a picture of him but it's just a slow push in on ragnar basically confessing all these a lot dark sins that he's committed over his lifetime and after the end of each one he just says pray for me you know he'll he confesses something and says pray for me ending with him confessing that he killed lucas's horse yep which causes lucas to snap and murder him which uh that kind of brings me to a very cool aspect of this movie kind of a storytelling device where it opens up with a statement that a box was found somewhere on the the east coast of iceland that contained like eight wet plate photographs taken presumably by a priest and they didn't know like why or what the story was but this story was kind of pieced together based on those photos and so throughout the movie uh lucas i mean when he shows up in iceland he's got this massive camera mm-hmm. also very impractical yes um which is like two it's like two boxes or something that he has to wear on his back with the tripods and and all the stuff it's like the really old camera that you have to get under a sheet and everything to take the photo and Everybody has to be super still. But that's a a really cool aspect of the movie where you're kind of like seeing the story play out in between these moments where this priest presumably decided to take a photo. And it's also just a cool, it's cool to see this like old photography technology that. Yeah, because there are a couple moments that are somewhat dedicated to just the process. Yeah. Like you're just watching him prepare the plates. Yeah. He's like washing them in the river mm-hmm. and putting chemicals Ink on wash. Them. Yeah. And there's that part. Uh, I think it's, I can't remember um, what 
group of people, but I know Ragnar and his dog are in the in the photo. Ragnar like looks down at the dog for a second, and then looks back up at the camera when he's supposed to be still. And then Lucas is just like very meanly is just like your dog stayed more still than you did. <laughs> not even like joking. Yeah. He's just like, which that then I also not to, we can get back to the photography part, but yeah. also brings up that idea of, he said that in Danish, assuming that Ragnar oh, couldn't understand that. So he, a lot of times he says these very mean kind of, just assuming that Ragnar can't understand yeah. because of the language barrier. He's pretty pretty free with his words, mm-hmm. I guess. And that pretty uh, climactic scene where he ends up killing Ragnar, leading up to that, Ragnar's asking him if he can take his picture. And yeah. he yells like, I would never take a picture of like a, such an ugly... You're so hideous. Yeah, hideous brute like you yeah. or whatever. Again, assuming that Ragnar can't really understand what he's saying. Yeah. And then Ragnar says like every Sunday my mother would speak Danish. And he says all that in Danish, yeah. right? Uh, it switches yeah. to Danish. Yeah. And it's like fluent <laughs> yeah. Danish. <laughs> so basically Which is, yeah, like, I mean I, I could I wish, understand you the whole time. Yeah. I wish we could have felt what that yeah. felt like to 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 hear him just go full That'd on be shocking. Danish. Yeah. Because I might hear yeah, to your point, your ear isn't trained to pick up on those differences. Right. Yeah, it, that's it's got to be such a wild scene. Yeah, th- there's the, there's probably more moments like that too, mm-hmm. where Lucas just like offhandedly says something mm-hmm. mean to him, and just assumes that he can't understand. Again, that superiority kind yeah. of you don't speak Danish. I mean, even the dad and his daughters. I, again, I assume in Danish are making fun of Ragnar while he's sitting at the table. Yeah, and maybe again assuming that Ragnar can't really understand what they're saying. Yeah feel free to kind of poke fun at him but he's just kind of taking all that in yeah quietly <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so the photography ends up being like one of the catalysts mm-hmm. at the end for for this confrontation mm-hmm. that happens because ragnar just like take my photo i just want you to take a photo yeah and he's like no i don't have any film left mm-hmm. or i don't have any plates yeah, left yeah, yeah. Or whatever and then it becomes this whole confrontation Throughout the movie, you know, it was, it was cool to have that context of like, oh, well, there's there were these old photos that they pieced together this plot. Mm-hmm. And I kind of half expected to see the photos at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz you only see two of his actual photos. You yeah. see like see them develop on yeah. his Yeah. You see his friend, the or the the translator. Mm-hmm. You see that guy's photo and then you see the woman's photo pop up in the in the dark room so yeah seeing the process of him taking the photos was really cool but then you know we found out later that there were no photos yeah that was all a hoax all made up by hilner and he's now on trial yep for for lying perjury yep because and joe and i are the ones that sued him he said he said under oath that there were real photos yep and it's not true. It's not true. So, so we're suing him. Yeah. So we'll keep you guys updated on that case. Yeah. But actually, I think that that's in, in an interview with him that I read. Um, he said that he would use that like when he pitched it. Yeah. And and it works so well as a grounding. Yeah. I don't know why. It, it does. Like, it, you could take that out and it would pretty much, in certain ways, it would pretty much be the same. Yeah story or explore the same themes yeah but it works so well as a grounding piece and almost like this yeah. lore of uh-huh. this 
mythical kind of story. It's, yeah. It works so well. Well, yeah, because the whole time you're watching it, it's like, well, you know, we, there's no way to know what actually happened because this is all based mm-hmm. on some photos. But the way that the way he ties those scenes together from, you know, what what are presumably these photos is really cool. And there's that that little sequence at the end or pretty close to the end with a bunch mm-hmm. of like push in shots yeah. of more or less what he the eight took photos. photos of. Yeah. They're not exactly the same, but it's kind of the same idea. Yeah. Going and it actually goes backwards, mm-hmm. starting with the the woman, I think, and then back all the way back to the yeah. priest at the beginning. Which I'm not sure besides that it was just cool. But it also and I don't know how or why, but it feels like it fits into the theme that is kind of underlying or present of like time. Yeah. Passage of time. Yeah, because there's those montages at the end of the decomposing bodies. Yeah. Yeah, juxtaposing Lucas's horse decomposing with Lucas. Which is, and it's such a cool way to to show that. It's not like a a time lapse or, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like these cuts across like seasons. I think he said one of his father's horses died on their farm. And so over two years, they let the body sit there and he would go back at various points and film the same shot of that body decaying. This is a quote. I was filming over a period of two years. I filmed a horse who dies and rots. There's a vision of death. Then the worms start eating the animal and the birds eat the worms. I started doubting about the process, about what I was doing. But then suddenly the horse and carcass turned into seeds for the birds. Through the carcass, flowers started to grow. Suddenly you could see so much life in death that took me by surprise and became an important layer in the film. Which is pretty mind blowing. Like when that, as that kind of played out, I was like, this is either some of the most impressive like production design yeah. that I've seen. Like in terms of like it was snowy, then suddenly it was spring, then summer. Or like he really did film <laughs> yeah. this horse over years of slowly rotting. And that is what he did, which is amazing. It's pretty pretty insane. And the fact that, you know, just from a technical level that he was able to frame it up yeah. exactly the same and all that. It's like just on his own, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like I, yeah. I he would just go out there with the a camera with him yeah. or he just had the camera. Yes. Yeah, and he does the same thing at the end when it's where Lucas's body ends up, which yeah. we haven't even talked about how Lucas yeah. dies yet, but where Lucas's body ends up, it's the same thing of this wide Vista and you see like snow and yeah. there are like wolves kind of, or yeah. something like yeah. animals around and like, yeah. then all of a sudden it's summer and I, and I assume he did the same thing where he shot that over multiple years. Yeah, with the real actor dead yeah. on the crown. <laughs> um, well, we should talk about that. Yeah. The well, way it, all that comes about. Because that's also one of my favorite scenes in the movie is his first church service. <laughs> like, again, going back to what you said whenever the the guy was like, why, don't, why didn't you just do the wedding ceremony? And he's yeah. like, I won't do it in an unfinished church. So then it's the first day that they're doing a service. It's very, everyone's in there. He makes this big entrance, dramatic kind of like walking in through the back when everyone's there. And like right when he starts talking, Ragnar's dog is barking outside, which this is after he had killed Ragnar. Yeah. And then like a baby's crying. Yeah. And like everyone's distracted. And (laughs) 
<laughs> he's like he keeps trying to start a sentence and like gets interrupted by the dog and starts over and it happens like three times and then finally he just like storms out yeah and he, the dog is just out there sitting there yeah he's trying to shoo it away and then he slips on the mud and his face just gets covered just in mud and his dress or his yeah priestly robe is completely covered in mud and then it's he a, just bails it's a pretty funny <laughs> it is moment. I, I, yeah because then well so he rides away and and then the the danish patriarch mm-hmm. goes after him to like find him but also like throughout the course of the movie he's been like hey you need like daughter you need to stay away from him mm-hmm. like i don't want you getting involved with a priest and so like he knew something was going on there He's clearly like not a huge fan of the priest. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, then when, when he just like bails, he's like, well, maybe it's better for our community if this guy's not here. And he doesn't, he, so he stabs him with a knife yeah, uh, and leaves him out in the field for dead. And the way he does it is so nonchalant. He doesn't seem mad. He doesn't seem vengeful. Yeah. He's just, it's, it is almost just like, well, this is probably for the best yep. that you're not around anymore. Yeah. I think he even says like, I'm sorry. Or I, I yeah, can't, yeah, he says I something he like that. Yeah. It was pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. I, I was not expecting him to just straight up kill him. Yeah. But again, it, it seems, it also seems inevitable in a way that it would end that way. And I, I, I don't, I haven't thought about it enough to know how it, how all those themes of time kind of tie together and the movie again in in a different way than silences is not so much concerned about like the faith of yeah. the people or whether faith will continue on in iceland like that doesn't seem it's it's a very like institutional yeah like, like you a get cultural the, yeah you get the feeling that the people who are going to the church it's just like what you do on a sunday yeah it's probably not something that they're super passionate about. It doesn't seem like it. Yeah. And same with Lucas, obviously. Um, so it doesn't, it almost isn't like because this priest dies, it's shutting down the faith in the country or what, like it, it doesn't, it almost doesn't even deal with any of that. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it probably is more so dealing with that idea of, which I've, you know, a lot of people have talked about, like the colonization, like someone from another country coming yeah. and putting their culture which is what, again, that quote we read at the beginning, what it's all about, the Denmark, Iceland, yeah. earthy rag, Ragnar versus spiritual, quote-unquote yeah. spiritual yeah. Lucas. So I don't know, you know, maybe, again, that's showing, you know, at the end, Lucas returns to the dust as part of the earth. Like, his, yeah. his body rots and flowers start coming through his rib cage. Ragnar probably got it a little more, even if he wasn't outright spiritual person he got it more than lucas ever did yeah another thing that really stuck with me that i don't know what to do with is ragnar's story around the campfire oh man (laughs) it's such a and there's so much wow i completely forgot about devoted to that yeah it's like a at least a five or ten minute scene it feels like it (laughs) it feels like a long scene maybe it's not but it felt it felt pretty long like he's telling this pretty in-depth story about this guy who he was out in the in the field and he heard this weird sound that sounded like women moaning or Mm -hmm. something and he gets out there and it's these eels mating Mm -hmm. and it's like something they only ever do like at a certain time and like no one 
but this guy has ever even seen it and all this stuff. And, and he like camps out next to where they're doing all that. And then he has this really bizarre dream about everybody in his village, like having a good time yeah. together with his wife. And then he goes back home and he's like, can't, can't look, look anybody in the eye for a long time. And it's a really weird, yeah, random story. And he starts it out by saying like, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to tell this story because the, person that it's about is still alive mm -hmm. and then he just seemingly story. i mean seemingly implying it's about him I, yeah but yeah i don't know <laughs> it's so random. besides that it creates a very strange and kind of disturbing mood especially like with yeah. the music which the, mood, the music sure. throughout the movie is really interesting it's i love the music yeah. it's so it's very icelandic yeah uh to me sounds very like very much like the some of the composers that I've listened to that came out of Iceland, like it's just very sparse. Mm -hmm. Like there, there are moments where I'm like, I think the song is over because it was so yeah. quiet, and then it like comes back and plays another couple notes. Yeah, it's like these horns. I think French horns that are they just sound super like there's no other orchestra accompaniment. It's just these horns that are kind of doing these meandering sounds. And it's, it's so good. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. The mood of this movie is very strong. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a, so atmospheric that and the film, the fact that it was shot on film, like the, the look of it is so organic and yeah, they yeah, left should... all the grain and dirt and everything in it. And it just looks, there's so much texture and, yeah. and then, and the sound and the music and everything else too. It all just creates such a great atmosphere, which I felt that the whole movie, but I, I, I think the first, not the, well, maybe, maybe the first scene that I like really felt it, um, because it just makes you sit with it for so long is when, uh, Lucas kind of gives up, falls off his horse and it kind of seems like they're just like leaving yeah. for dead. Yeah. It is a couple minute long, yeah. slow, like the slowest pan you could possibly imagine 360 all the way around. And, and again, that deals with that nature versus humanity and that it's where all the people are. There's like a lot of talking. There's a lot of noise. And you don't, with the sound design that they did, you don't hear any ambient sound almost. Like you just hear the horse's hooves. You hear the people talking, whatever. And as it pans away from that to just this wide vista, slowly yeah. all these ambient the sounds yeah. just get like almost blaringly loud as it pans across and it just keeps panning and panning and panning and like so long yep. till it gets back to Lucas. But then they repeat that same technique later at the wedding where you're painting across, yeah. you know, these almost like paintings. It's I mean, like still life. Yeah. Like as it pans across of like, there's a mother nursing her baby. There are like a couple men talking, the kids are playing. There's like two guys wrestling. So it just like it, gives you time to just like sit take in the but yeah. i think it does it twice that's it it does it mm -hmm. the one time in that vista and then the one time at the church but yeah it's a really really effective technique yeah it's i mean it's very immersive as long as you can be patient and mm -hmm. not get frustrated with you know the the pace um it's it's very yeah it's very immersive yeah the techniques and the the style of this movie are i, I mean it's just 
really well done. Mm-hmm. Very, uh, it definitely kept my interest throughout, like just, just visually and from a technical standpoint, like that all was enough to like keep me interested. And then the story also was very intriguing. Mm-hmm. So they really trust you to like keep up and know what's going on. Cause I, I feel like there are times like when it cut from Lucas laying there looking like he was about to die. I, I was like, dang, I guess he's going to die halfway through the film. That's not what yeah. I expected, but that's interesting. And then it just cuts to like these very abstract shots of underwater and like people's feet and like it's bobbing in and out of the water. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's these two girls who you haven't seen at all in the film. Yep. And then it eases you into the fact that Lucas is being taken care of by this family. It like really takes its time and trust that you'll kind of stick with it in a, it's not even unconventional storytelling. It's just, yeah. it introduces characters and things in, in a way that's not maybe as straightforward or direct right. as some other films. Like some other films you might see them like actually in that scene, I thought they were going to find Lucas laying out in the field yeah. and rescue him. I did too. <laughs> yeah. But instead turns out he's been there for weeks yeah and ragnar actually went back and like rescued him yeah once they found where they needed to go so like i I feel again i feel like it's probably three four five minutes where you're just with these two girls as they're yeah picking stuff out in the fields or getting fish singing yeah yeah you're just in this in this space without much context and And then and then they get back to the village and the girl has like a long conversation with ragnar oh yeah yeah. About like her, the fact that she knows Icelandic and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, just trust that you'll stick with that to find yeah. out what's going on. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, definitely, yeah, it definitely wasn't what I expected mm-hmm. at all. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what I expected. Uh, yeah, but, I don't either. Because the, the trailer is, I did watch the trailer. I don't know if you, if you did, mm-hmm. but it didn't give any yeah. of the story. Like it was just kind of. <laughs> him i remember very specifically him on the beach that's the only thing i really remember yeah. from the trailer and yeah. i know i watched it so it was like i i didn't really i was just like this looks yeah. awesome yeah so i'm definitely in um but otherwise i didn't really know what it was going to be what would turn off a large majority of audiences when if you hear a two and a half hour long danish icelandic film about a priest <laughs> <laughs> that instantly shuts out probably 85 yeah. 90%. <laughs> we were in a film viewer. pretty small theater at least a couple weeks after the movie came out yeah. and it was us and an older couple and that was it. <laughs> and when we came out the older guy was like that was something or I like, <laughs> yeah. like that was something else. And that reminded me of the Banshees of Inner Sheriff. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I feel like it's one that probably m- most people will miss. But if you are interested in or appreciate films like First Reformed, Silence, Winter Light, like it's definitely worth worth seeking out and, yeah, and watching. I think it, especially like, yeah, I feel especially like Winter Light. Yeah. I think it really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah, is a an interesting addition to that kind of that kind of film because it's yeah because Winter Light is also like the the 
protagonist is he's not, like empty yeah he doesn't offer any hope to anybody even though there are people in the film that want it mm-hmm. or or even like try to offer it to him mm-hmm. that'd be a cool or that'd be an interesting very bleak double feature <laughs> but it'd be an interesting yeah double feature yeah i mean it's a, it's a great film i think uh i was i was pretty pleased with it yeah it, it uh like i said i was not what i expected but i'm i'm a fan yeah same definitely seek it out it's my number one of the year so far it's the only film on the list so far yeah. <laughs> i think I, I, I do think it's the only 2023 film i've seen so far uh have not seen john wick four yet nope. so i haven't seen that i also Never haven't know. seen super mario movie is that out yet? It's coming out. Uh, it came out today. Oh, wow. <laughs> the day we're recording this, it's out. Uh, are we going? Yeah. After this? You wanna, yeah, let's. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, See you guys. Yeah, that's All it. Right. Thanks for. Uh, get, go. Get the car. <laughs> Podcast over. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you guys for we'll listening. We'll be back with our Mario review next that'll week. That'll be yep, that'll be the next one. Tomorrow. We'll record it tomorrow. Well, I, tonight. To, yeah, tonight. We'll get while it. we're watching it. I know you guys are gonna want to hear it really fast, really soon. Yeah. So we'll get that out. I mean, we may do a live episode. True. From the theater. That, yeah. I mean like while we're watching it. If we could I don't know if there's a radio station that would let us just take over the airwaves I mean, for a little bit. I mean, let's be honest. What radio station wouldn't? I mean, yeah. What else could be more important yeah, to broadcast? I know. Then review anything's thoughts on the Super Mario movie. We, yeah, we could do it live. Where like as the scenes playing out, being like, eh, this is okay. This scene's fine. yeah. Chris Pratt's voice is not working for me, but you know, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I really do like uh, Seth Rogen. He's great. I love him. And as we've established, <laughs> he is playing a monkey. And monkey. you love monkeys. Oh, yeah, know? I do. I love monkeys. <laughs> I forgot that he's a monkey. Well, I guess he's an ape, which you're not a... I know you're not a big fan of apes. Well, I'm glad you said that because that gets my hopes back down yeah. from where they were. Yeah. When in that 30 seconds that you said it was a monkey. <laughs> well, over the past year... I, I, I just, now that we're actually going to go see it, I thought I'd break it to you, but I know that's all you've been talking about with the Super Mario Bros. movie. The monkey. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah. That's why I want to go. I know, but. This is the Donkey Kong movie, right? No. I've been too scared to be honest. So Donkey you. Kong's not it. Donkey Kong's in it. Oh. Seth Rogen? Yes. But. Donkey Kong. Yeah. Monkey. <laughs> I only ever play as Donkey Kong in Super Smash Bros. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, I just do the helicopter move <laughs> constantly, just the whole time, and I win every time. But I also know that you made a list that just said my favorite things, and number one was monkeys, number two was Seth Rogen. So, number three was monkeys. Yeah, again, which, sure, you can. yeah, it's your list. You can do whatever you want, but... So I know that you were just shocked when they announced that he was going to be playing Donkey Kong. Yeah, it's a dream come true. But again, it, it, he is an ape. He's not a monkey. 
I don't know how much. So he has a tail or no? No, I don't think so. No tail. But the little monkey Diddy does. Kong. He has a tail. I don't know if Diddy Kong is in this movie. So I know. I, I know. I know. I know. We should still go see it. Give it a, shan- give it a chance. Don't shake your head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, yeah, we'll let you know. Yep, that will keep an eye that out. That will 100 percent be the next review we do. Don't even. It'll it'll be. We'll release it early to our Patreon subscribers. Yeah, so make sure you get on two there. hours early. Yep, yep. Make sure. <laughs> That's such a small amount of time <laughs> to incentivize people. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's what we chose though. Two hours, two before, hours before normal posting time, which is always consistent. Of course, every, yeah, we never, we never deviate, never deviate from our schedule. Uh, I also do remember we did say on the last episode that we'd check back in after we called Lynch, uh, yes. to talk about the review. Right. Um, cause we said we'd definitely do that. So we did call him, uh, he's doing well, he's healthy. He, he's, he talked a lot about the weather. Yeah. Uh, like how many degrees it was in L.A. Blue sky, golden sunshine. That's like all he was saying the whole time. And, and we're like, we're like, did David, can like we and the review? And he's like, 96 degrees. <laughs> so we didn't really get much out of him, but just thought we'd update you guys on on that conversation. That it did happen. It did. It was not fruitful at all. No. But we tried. And then you just hang, hung up in the middle of us talking. So eh, we tried, but not to much success. So. Yeah, maybe next David Lynch film that we review, he'll be a little more open to, to talking about it. We so. actually be able to get him on live. That would be great. Yeah. So we'll we'll look into that. We'll look into that. I'm sure we'll, do, we'll make it happen. <clears throat> yeah. With the leverage we have in the industry. Yeah. What could we not do? I mean, Steven Spielberg already knows him well from the Fableman. True. So we're really tight with Steven. Yeah. I think he can. Yeah. Probably that won't be an strings. issue. That won't be an issue. Yeah. So look forward to that and much more. Yes. As uh, ne- on the next episode of Review, Review Anything. Anything.